Arm length is one of the biggest concerns about potential Jets offensive line prospect Peter Skaronsky in the upcoming NFL draft, but I think these concerns are overrated, and I'll explain why on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, April 17th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thanking you for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy it, please give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help Locked On Jets out and help other Jets fans find us. Today, our episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football G. Ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. And our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, in the game. Let's talk about the NFL draft, and let's talk about the tackle position in particular. We have not done enough on the NFL draft, and believe it or not, it's next week. Next Thursday through Saturday, the NFL draft is upcoming. It feels like it's kind of snuck up on us. At least that's the way it feels to me. And I feel I think part of it's this has been kind of a strange offseason for the Jets, where so much focus has been on a trade that hasn't happened yet, Aaron Rodgers. And honestly, I'm tired of talking about Aaron Rodgers. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers for like the last month, last month and a half. Let's focus on the draft. And the tackle position in particular is interesting because, first of all, the Jets have a need there. I mean, I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what the Jets tell me. They can't be happy with what they got there. I mean, I understand Dwayne Brown played reasonably well for them, at least as well as you could expect a late signing. He was in his late 30s, you know, a guy that got, the, you know, the, after training camp began, kind of an emergency signing. But let's be honest, Dwayne Brown's near the end of his career, and he was not healthy last year. It's going to be a lot to ask 17 good games out of him. It's also going to be a lot to ask anything out of Makai Becton this year. Uh, you know, Becton's essentially missed two full seasons. And I think one of the things we forget about a player like Becton is it can impact his development. He pretty much missed two developmental years, two years where he could have been working on his technique, which was something he needed when the Jets drafted him out of Louisville, have been spent rehabbing injuries. It's a lot. And right now, I know the Jets also have Max Mitchell, who's I view I view as a wild card. It's one thing to draft a tackle, you know, have have somebody step in and I guess play right tackle this year. And then between Brown, Becton, and Mitchell, you can figure out how to get 17 games out of the trio. That's very different from needing two of the three to hold up over the course of a full season. So tackle's an important spot for the Jets, and we've discussed it again. I said I didn't want to discuss Rodgers today because we've talked about him from every angle conceivable, but... I guess it is worth mentioning. You know, he's a 39 to 40 year old quarterback. You want to protect him with diminishing mobility. So putting a line in front of him is going to be very important. So I want to talk about three prospects who could be available for the Jets at 13. And we're assuming the Jets hold on to 13. We're assuming that does not go to Green Bay. And I feel like this could be a spot where need lines up with where the Jets pick because 13 could be the sweet spot for tackle this year. And it's frustrating because the Jets have already spent two first round picks on offensive linemen in the last three years. But because of Becton's failures, you know, they may have to go again at the offensive line spots. Now, the first guy I'm going to talk about is Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. Now, this is an interesting prospect because 
he's about as polished of an offensive line prospect as you'll see. He is, to the extent there's a plug-and-play guy in this year's draft class of the offensive line, it's Peter Skaronsky. And he has everything you want in a tackle prospect except one thing. His arms are really short. You know, typically they say uh, you want an ideally a tackle to have about 34-inch arms. Skaronsky's arms are just about 32 inches, 32 and a quarter. Why is arm length important? Well, it depends on who you ask. A lot of people would tell you that at the tackle position, you're going up against explosive athletes. So what you want, you want somebody with long arms who can stick them out and stonewall the tack, stonewall the edge rusher. It prevent, essentially, use, use your arms to prevent to slow down the edge rusher's momentum. And if you don't, if you don't touch the edge rusher far enough away from you, then the edge rusher may get up on you. He may get leverage on you. So you want to be able to contact him when he's far away from you. So that's an that's why it's viewed as important. Now it's worth noting that Joe Thomas did not have 34 inch arms. Joe Thomas was the best tackle of his generation. So that's you know, it's one of those things where. I feel like sometimes it can be a little overblown, but Skaronsky has everything else. I mean, he's a technician. He's got nimble feet. You know, he plays with. I think he plays with pretty good power. I, I I really like him as a prospect. I think you know, he's as polished of a prospect as they come. And one of the reasons I brought up Joe Thomas is first of all, he is he was the best tackle of his era. There's no question about it. He had shorter arms than was ideal. Now his arms were longer than Skaronsky's, but. I understand. In theory, you want longer arms because, again, you don't want attack, You don't want an edge rusher to be able to make contact close enough to you where he can get leverage. You also don't want to be in a situation that to make contact with an edge rusher, you have to lean forward. Because when you lean forward, you get yourself off balance. And that puts you in a really bad spot. But Skaronsky said at the Combine that the reason arm length is overrated, he, he was defending himself. He said the reason arm length is overrated is that it's used as an excuse for bad technique. Essentially... What, his, what he says is that guys you know, guys who have short arms don't fail because they have short arms. It's because they have bad technique. And that if you use your arms more effectively, it doesn't matter how long they are. Now, there's not really been a tackle with arms as short as him that succeeded in the NFL. But I think it's an interesting point. And you know, I think sometimes we overstate flaws. And I think that there's this is part of my theory that maybe there's a little too much content out there. I think especially in the draft community, players get overanalyzed. You know, people, look, people look at these guys for every single angle. And they find ways to pick players apart. And sometimes it's not fair. And, you know, we're okay with this at certain positions. Like at the wide receiver position, if somebody lacks ideal size, we, f- we figure out how they can make up for that. We understand that if you lack ideal size, well, maybe you're quick. You know, maybe you're twitchy. Maybe you can create separation that way. So you don't need to win jump balls. But at other spots, like a lack of physical, a lack of physical tools we view as kind of a you know, kind of, kind of some, something that will prevent you from being a good player. And it's not always fair. And I think, you know, what Skaronsky's point was, is that, yeah, maybe the margin for error is lower if it, with that, when you have shorter arms, but if you use your arms efficiently, you know, if you, if you, if you make, if you use proper technique, that makes up for a lack of, uh, you know, a lack of length in your arms. Whereas a guy with longer arms maybe doesn't need to be quite as technically precise because he can still reach out. Maybe if it's, even if it's inefficient, he can keep the guy away from him. But, it's not necessarily something that's going to make you a good player. If you long arms won't make you a good player if you lack technique, and if you have great technique, you can make up for a lack of length. And Joe Thomas himself pretty much said that this is. I'm not allowed to use the phrase. You can look up the tweet, but Joe Thomas essentially said the way arm length is measured is we'll substitute the word he used because I'm not allowed to say it. It's nonsense. And 
when I think about, when I think this through, you know, if Skaratsky's there at thirteen, I've been the I played the Jets GM in two mock drafts that uh, I've done with the uh, organizations that that I cover the Jets for. Skaratsky's been on the board both times. I have not hesitated to pick him, and I think this through. And you know, my, I, it varies what what I focus on from year to year. But the Garrett Wilson experience at wide receiver kind of weighed on my mind. And why do I say that? I know it's a different position. It's not. It's not. It's not wide receiver. It's offensive line. But the reason I say Garrett Wilson weighs on my line is sometimes it's simple enough. Is if a guy knows how to play effectively, that's the guy you take. You know, it, it can be that simple. And I think sometimes we get a little too crazy about ceiling in the first round. We talk about a guy's hypothetical ceiling. Like three years ago, Mackay Becton had the higher ceiling than Tristan Wirfs. Well, Tristan Wirfs was an all-pro. So we talk about ceiling. I mean, Tristan Wirfs' ceiling was pretty good. When we're talking guys, drafting guys in the top half of the first round, everybody's got a high ceiling. You know, one guy's ceiling might be slightly higher than somebody else's, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's, it's not necessarily like you're taking a low-ceiling player. And Skaronsky, for me, you know, he's a guy who, even if the arm thing becomes an issue, and I'm not sure it will be, he's, he's a plug-and-play guy at guard. And, you know, I hear people say, well, the Jets don't need a guard. And I, when I think that through, I say... Is Lakin Tomlinson a guy we're expecting to be here after this year? Lakin Tomlinson, a long-term player for the Jets. So even if you draft Skaronsky, and I think you play him a tackle until he proves he can't play there, let's say he fails a tackle. Fine, you slide him in guard next year, and then you lock guard down for the next 12, 10 to 12 years, or you know, maybe not 12 years, but lock guard down for the next 6 to 8 years with him and Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, I think this would be a really good pick. I like him a lot. And there's no there's no guarantee play, players, but there's never a guarantee when you're talking about the draft. But when you get a guy who knows how to play, a guy who knows how to use technique, for me, that's a big deal, especially when he's got talent to play, to be picked in the top of the first round. So Peter Skaronsky, that's a guy who interests me a lot. And if he's on the board, it's a guy I would like to see the Jets pick. Now, here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll continue our discussion of offensive line prospects. We'll move to Ohio State, Paris Johnson. Interesting candidate, interesting prospect. We'll discuss him as we continue this Monday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. We're kind of playing mock Jets GM today as we talk about potential tackles the Jets could look at at 13. And you've heard me talk about this mobile game before. If you want to try out being a good GM, you got to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty, because when you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory trying to build a historic dynasty. With Ultimate Football GM, you are responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salary and terms, and navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of a season. And all of this comes in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. And Locked On Jets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On, all caps in the game store. Again, that's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. That, that's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Thank you for making Lockdown Jets your first listen or first watch every day. We're talking offensive line prospects, particularly tackle prospects who could interest the Jets with the 13th overall pick. Jets got a great player last year from Ohio State at 10 in Garrett Wilson. Could this be the second straight year the Jets draft an offensive an offensive player from Ohio State in the first round? Well, there's a tackle prospect out there who could intrigue them, and that's Paris Johnson, who played again played at Ohio State 
Now, this guy kind of has the physical tools you're looking for. You know, I mentioned Peter Skaronsky. He's got all the tools you want, except maybe the arm length. And if Peter Skaronsky had better, had longer arms, he'd be a guy who'd probably be a top five pick. Paris Johnson has all the tools you want. And beyond that, he's got a he's got a frame that could fill out a little bit. So, you know, what I talked about with Skaronsky is Skaronsky is just a technician. He knows how to play the game. And he's got, again, outside of the arm length, he's got everything you need. Paris Johnson is a guy who's, I don't want to say he's a project because he's not. You know, he he goes out there and he, he I think he had a pretty effective year blocking for Ohio State. But he's less consistent than Skaronsky. So this is going to be a guy that you'd have to coach up. So that's a, you know, what we might call a Keith Carter special. Keith Carter is the Jets' new offensive line coach. So this is one where I th- I feel like if you draft Paris Johnson, this is the type of guy your offensive line coach has to get, has to buy into. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, the period, you've seen it through the years with the Jets. Sometimes they'll draft an offensive line pro- uh, prospect who's viewed as a project and, you know, it doesn't really work out that well. Like, Paris Johnson is not necessarily a project. And you see flashes of dominance. And you saw him have a pretty productive season at Ohio State. He's got the nimble feet that you look for in a tackle prospect. you got to have good feet as a tackle. I mean, as silly as it sounds, and, you know, some somebody may, you know, whenever I say that, somebody makes a sarcastic comment about how, you know, this isn't, this isn't ballet, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is football. But you got to think about what the tackle, playing tackle in the NFL means. I mean, you're out one-on-one on an island, essentially, on most plays. And sometimes you're facing some of the most dynamic athletes in the world, edge rushers in the NFL, especially the elite guys in this league. And that means you have to, you have to be very nimble. Why do you have to be nimble? Because they're attacking on a lot of these plays, you have to backpedal. You have to backpedal so your momentum's taking you back. Your momentum's essentially taking you the opposite direction of where you want to go because you want to be attacking. You know, you'd rather attack on the offensive line. But when you are pass blocking, you're essentially going backward and you have one of the most dynamic athletes in the league charging at you. So you got to have pretty good feet because then you have to set and you have to figure out a way to get, get leverage on them. Now, Johnson, I think, you know, has better arms, longer arms than Skaronsky. It's just a matter of inconsistency with him. You know, you'll see a tendency there to do what's known as oversetting. And what's that? Well, you want to make sure that you don't get out too wide. Because if you, and you can just think this through, you don't necessarily need to watch a lot of film to understand what I'm saying. You're kind of trying to go to a spot where you're, as much as anything, you're trying to predict where the other guy's going to go. If you get out too wide, you leave yourself susceptible to an inside move. So you have to kind of hit the middle of the strike zone, so to speak. You have to be kind of in the middle of where the guy is. You don't want him. You don't want him to allow get an inside path to your quarterback. You don't want to allow him to get an outside path to your quarterback, though. But in my book, oversetting is a bigger sin, a bigger sin than not going wide enough. Because at least if you don't go wide enough, the the guy has to go around you to the outside, so he has a longer path to the quarterback. Whereas if you allow that inside path to the quarterback i mean that's a direct route to your quarterback so that's something you want to avoid and it's a tendency that he has that just happens a little bit too much i think hand placement is also inconsistent you know you want to you want to make sure you, you hit him in again in the strike zone you, there's a certain spot you, you want to be able to get leverage on him and i think sometimes he's a little bit you know he misses on his hand punches he it's just a matter and this is not a surprise it's not a huge knock on him you know he's a young player and one of the challenges when you're dealing with college prospects is there is a limit to the amount of practice time college players get. So 
you know, sometimes you'll hear college, sometimes you'll hear criticism from cert, about certain college coaches that they don't develop players very well. But you have to remember, they don't get the same amount of time with their prospects as NFL players do. There's a limit to the amount of practice time college players get. Those are rules the NCAA has. So there are not a lot of finished products who enter the NFL. And that's, you know, those guys usually go pretty high in the draft. And those guys go probably higher than 13. Every player you draft is going to have some degree of question marks around them. They're going to have some degree of, you know, where you're, you have a weakness that you need to develop. And that's one of the things that makes scouting the draft so difficult. You know, when a guy fails, everybody points back to the weaknesses that were on the scouting report. Well, of course, every prospect has, has issues. You know, every, there's, there's very few finished prospects. And if they, they are, if they are finished, they go in the top five. You know, it's, it's a question of whether you can work through those issues. So those are the two that I see for Paris Johnson. You know, I think his feet are a little inconsistent. I think his hands are a little inconsistent. But you see that he's got the frame you want. He's got the athleticism you want. And if he can work through these things, and again, it may not happen. You know, it, it may be a little. There may be a little inconsistency as a rookie. But if he can work through these things, he's got everything. He needs. And he can fill out his frame a little bit more. He can get bigger. So he could be the type of guy. You know, your prototypical tackle prospect in this league. A guy who you know I would probably rate behind Skaronsky right now. But I don't think he would be necessarily be a bad pick for the Jets. Now, there's one more player we're going to discuss today. This is a guy who's a little bit more of a wild card because he doesn't have a ton of playing experience. We're going to talk Broderick Jones of Georgia as we continue this Monday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast. You're on this Monday. We're talking potential offensive line prospects who could interest the Jets with the 13th overall pick. We're assuming they keep the pick. They better keep the pick. If they don't keep this pick, it better be for a trade back. This this pick better, better not go to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. I'll say that right now in part because the Jets need to add, continue adding premium young talent. They did a great job in last year's draft. They added two rookies of the year, a third guy who could have been rookie of the year. They added some guys who look like promising youngsters. When you're talking about Michael Clemens, Jermaine Johnson, uh, guys who can help the, the, the team on the offensive line, at least as rotational players going forward. Lots to love about that 22 class. Let's keep it going in 23. Now, there's a guy who's kind of a wild card out there, and that's Broderick Jones of Georgia. And the reason he's a wild card is that he doesn't have a ton of playing experience. He has less than two full years of starting experience. He played uh, tackle for Georgia this year. A bit, again, it's that's going to be the question mark with him. And the issue is that he just doesn't have a ton of film on him. And it's always a bit of a risk. But I, I think that, you know, it's easy to write a guy off because he doesn't have a ton of college experience. There's a difference between playing well in college and playing well in the NFL. And beyond that, just because you don't have a ton of college experience, that doesn't necessarily equate to failure in the NFL. You know, and I think this is a mistake people make a lot of times. Sometimes we make it with free agents where we assume just because a guy hasn't done something that he's incapable of doing something. Now, the thing with Broderick Jones is I think when you're talking offensive line prospects, there's one thing that can make up for a lot of sins, and that's playing with you know, the quote-unquote nasty streak. This guy likes to punish defenders. I mean, this guy, he is physical. He moves people. And he's, again, he's got a kind of a frame where he can grow. He can add some bulk, I think. You know, he's 6'5". He's only like 3'10 or so. So this is a guy who can add some weight to the frame. But when we talk about that lack of experience, I mean, you know, I, I talked about Paris Johnson being a bit of an unfinished product. Broderick Jones, I mean, he needs even more work. I mean, you, you just see it. I mean, there's some really sloppy technique. Uh, you see that from time to time. And you know, the reason I think the, the lack of game reps hurt him, I don't think it's necessarily a deal breaker, but games are game situations are the where you develop. That's the best spot where you, you learn your craft, where you develop. And I think the lack of technique, that kind of shows up there. Now, that doesn't, again, it doesn't necessarily make, mean it's a deal breaker. He can learn. 
Guys, no player is a finished product when they enter the NFL. So there's plenty of time for him to learn. You know, he, and sometimes guys pick up things quicker than you'd expect. You know, sometimes a guy enters and you think he's a project. Now, this, this is a guy I would characterize as a little bit more of a project than even Paris Johnson. But, you know, sometimes guys just pick things up. And sometimes it's about that NFL-level coaching. And more than the quality overall, because I think, you know, in college, especially at Georgia, you have very high-caliber coaches it's about the time. It's about the fact that you get to work on it nonstop. You don't have to worry about going to class. You don't, you know, you can actually work with your coaches all day. There are no limits to the amount of time your coaches can work with you. So sometimes we say a guy needs to sit a year or two. That's not always, sometimes that's true, but it's not always the case. And I think that when we sit, when we say, oh, this guy's got to sit one year, this guy's got to sit two years, that's a little arbitrary because players learn at different speeds. Now, I think that this would be a higher risk move. I think certainly we're talking Broderick Jones. You know, this would be a move where the bust, you know, the, the failure rate is probably much higher than it is with a Skaronsky. And, you know, I, I think ceiling versus floor, that's always the debate. But like I said, I like a guy who knows how to play, especially at 13. That said, I mean, it's about whether or not you hit. Uh, and, you know, there are plenty of players who barely saw playing time in college who ended up being great. Um, you know, Rob Gronkowski missed his last season of college because he, he had an injury. Um, Antonio Cromartie did not play his final season of college because he had an injury. Broderick Jones did play his final season of college. And he's flashed again. He flashed that ability. He, he moves people. Now, again, he's, he's inconsistent. You know, the hands are, the hands miss. Sometimes he's a guy who doesn't use his feet all that well. He's a guy who likes to lunge a little bit, which you don't love because when you lunge, when you're leaning forward, you're off balance and it makes it easier, especially when you're in the NFL for a guy to just kind of throw you away. You know, you, you want to maintain leverage in the NFL. You can get away with leaning a little bit in college because sometimes you're just so much bigger than the other guy that it doesn't matter. The NFL, everybody's really good. It's an important thing to remember in the NFL, even the bad players. I, and I, I'm guilty of the, I'm as guilty of this as anybody where I say, well, this guy's not any good. That's not true. Everybody in the NFL is good. And, you know, some guys obviously have more talent than others. Guy with, good, guy with talent and good technique will beat guy with less talent and good technique. Guy, who, guy with more talent and bad technique loses the guy with less talent and good technique. So it's something Broderick Jones is going to have to learn. This is, a, I think it's a riskier pick, so to speak, than Skaronsky or even a Johnson. I think that the, the rate of a miss here would be higher, but well, he's got the tools. He clearly has the physical tools to succeed in this league. I would rate him a little bit lower than the other guys, but uh, I think that this is a guy where you could you could talk yourself into it. You, you could say that this could be a worthy first-round pick, and if especially if Skaronsky and, and Johnson are off the table, then perhaps this is the, kid, the guy for the Jets. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help the podcast out, help other Jets fans find Lockdown Jets. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.